this morning, uh, for, those who don't know you, for those who don't know me, my name is Keenan. I'm an elder in this congregation. And mornings like this morning, some of you may have invited a, a friend, a visitor. It's your first time with us this morning. And you know the temptation sometimes would be that we would want to apologize for how intense things can get in worship. And this morning I'm not going to apologize. I know for some of you this is completely outside of your box. It might be a little bit intimidating. You might walk out of here this afternoon and think, I mean, says Malanilla Kop. Right? Um, and so, yes, we are. <laughs> we are. Right? We are. We are in love with Jesus. We get excited by Him. Uh, we, we have seen and tasted that He is good. And this is what we want to devote our lives to, is to waste ourselves at His feet and to glorify Him and to enjoy Him. And maybe you sit this here this morning and you think to yourself, oh my word, I would love that. I have never experienced that. I want to say to you this morning that your inheritance as a Christian is to enjoy God. It's not to try to live a prim and proper life. Yes, that's part of it. But our actual treasure and the thing that we gain in the Christian walk is God himself. To be enjoyed for all eternity. Starting with this side of eternity, we get to enjoy God. We get to delight ourselves in Him. We get to experience the Holy Spirit inside of us that gives us emotions and feelings and thoughts about this great God that we in this time actually can't really know in His fullness because He's so great and He's so good. And we want to spend the rest of our lives pursuing Him, chasing after Him, enjoying Him, and delighting ourselves in Him. So, I just thought I'd, I'd share that with us this morning. That's not what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. Um, I'm going to be preaching on something a little bit more practical this morning. Uh, something that uh, I believe is critical for us to understand and to grow in and walk in as believers. And you would have noticed that if you've been in Josh Jen long enough, you would have noticed that we hammer three things continuously. And I'm not going to treat it like a class this morning in my job that I do in the full time. I, I, have, to, I have to teach and I have to uh, present content to students and to entrepreneurs. And so I usually try to get the engagement and so I, I'm, I'm not going to do that this morning. But if you've been with us long enough, you will realize that there's three things that we constantly talk about. Three things that we recognize as Josh Jen that we see from Scripture as our DNA, our values, who we are, right? And it's as simple as the ABCs, right? A stands for abiding. So we abide in Christ. We abide in God. B is belonging. Right? We belong to one another and we belong to a family. And C is that we now, because we belong, because we are in Christ, we contribute to this family and we contribute to one another and give of ourselves, our gifts, our time, our treasures, our talents. We give to one another. Okay, so oftentimes we would speak about the topic devotion, right? And so when we talk about devotion, we are firstly talking about our devotion to the Lord. 
But this morning, I want to put a twist on it, and I want to speak about, and if you are taking notes, the sermon title would be, Being Devoted to One Another. Okay, that just as we are devoted to God, and just as we give ourselves to Him, the Christian walk is one where we also are to devote ourselves to one another. Now, the word devotion, I checked it in the Oxford Dictionary, and they uh, define the word devotion as love or enthusiasm about a person or a topic. Right? A person or a topic. So when you say you are devoted to something, it means that you are excited by that topic or that person. Now, if I say to us that uh, we should be excited about God and we should be enthusiastic about God, then I think all of us would agree. And I think all of us would get that right. I mean, we saw it here. If you didn't see it, stand closer. These people were jumping. This eye. Noah. Where's Noah? Yes, that guy jumps eye. Right? But if I ask you, do you get excited... And do you get enthusiastic about the person sitting next to you? Then what is your response? Right? And I want to I even I wanna raise the bar and say, listen carefully, that these two devotions are not so different from one another. And that actually one John teaches us that if you say that you are devoted to God, I'd be able to measure that and see that by your devotion to one another. Okay, so uh, that's a fatal blow for the thinking that says, it's just me, myself, and Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need fellow believers. It's just me and Jesus. No, whenever we see scripture, it speaks about a body of people coming together that God has placed together and that actually our Christian faith and the genuineness of our Christian faith is displayed in how we love one another. Okay, so I'm going to get into some scriptures. So the first scripture I would like you to turn with me. I brought my Bible along. Usually I have a laptop up here. I'm going to try to page through scripture. I want to be in touch with the text. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, open your Bible. And turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 9 to 18. I'll give you guys some time to get there, because we're so used to using our phones, right? It, it, we, we don't know how to page through our Bible anymore. I see Tristan is struggling to find Romans. <laughs> it's not in the Old Testament. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 18. If you didn't bring your Bible along, Andrea sorted you out on the board. Okay, love must be sincere. I'm reading from the NIV. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. 
Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow, that's a mouthful. There's a lot of things that we can take from that scripture, but I, I want to draw our attention to verse 10 that says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor, on, and honor one another above yourselves. And this is what I want to dive into for us this morning, is to, to look at how do we devote ourselves to one another. And I'm going to, you know, for those who have had science at school, you would have heard of this thing called a litmus test. You guys know what a litmus test is? A litmus test is basically a test that you uh, put things in a, into a certain environment and you then find the outcome based on what you observe in that test. Okay, so I'm going to put us through a litmus test or if to make it a little bit more practical and easier to understand. I'm going to put up a massive mirror here this morning that we are all, I'm going to stand on that side. Uh, I'm also, the mirror is facing both ways. I'm going to put up the mirror and we are going to look at ourselves in the mirror this morning to actually ask ourselves whether this value of belonging is something that we really walk in. I used to work at Take-A-Lot. Some of you know my journey. I used to work at Take-A-Lot. Uh, I worked there for four or five years. And it was a wonderful company to work for. They spoke a lot about values. Right? And so much so that when you walked into the entrance of Take-A-Lot, they had actually printed out a massive wallpaper that stated the values on the wall. Some of the things that you would read is integrity, service delivery, right? quality. The only problem is that sometimes what I, what I experience is that those values only state values on a wall. It wasn't necessarily something that people actually practice in the company. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying what I observed while I was there. Um, and I don't want us to fall into this trap as Christians that we, we come and we talk about the ABCs, but we never are able to actually go out and live out the ABCs in a practical way. So that's what I'm aiming for this morning. Okay, the next scripture that I want us to look at is Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22. So you can turn with me there. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And what I want to say to us this morning is when we talk about we are in one another and we are in Christ and we are joined together, I want to say to us, and if you're making notes, you can write this down. It says, we are not joined because we have a common purpose. We are not joined together, firstly, because we have a common purpose as Christians. To reach the lost, to preach the gospel. This is not what brings us together and what unites us. We are joined together because we are in the same person. We're not joined because of purpose. We are joined because of a person. That in Ephesians 2, it speaks about being in Him, in Christ. And this morning, 
I want to say that maybe you have been gravitating towards this family of believers because sometimes we have nice things to put out on the table and you like our coffee. Right? Or you like the fact that after church someone's going to invite you for lunch. Or during the week someone's sending you a WhatsApp message and say, listen, do you want to have a coffee? Do you want to hang out? So often we can belong to this body and, and to other bodies uh, of, of fellowship because of the family vibe, right? It's the thing that gets said out there. We want to create a family vibe. So often we can be joined because of a family vibe and forget that it's not a family vibe that draws us together. Thank you, sir. It's not a family vibe that draws us together. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And you being grafted into Him as a believer who is born again. And that is what makes us family. It's not because we are, have a nice, inviting and uh, inclusive atmosphere that we try to promote you on a Sunday or on a Wednesday at community. It's because you are found in the person of Jesus. And because you are in Him, you are in us. And He puts us into family. Okay, so I want us to recognize that we are joined because of a person, not because of a purpose. Okay, so here's the test. Here's the mirror coming up. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask us with regards to belonging and being part of this family. Now that we recognize that we are in Christ and that we are joined together because of Him, there are some practical outflowings that need to happen for us to walk in this value of belonging. And so the first question I want us to look at and the first question I want us to ask ourselves, and let's be honest here with, with the answer, the first question is, when last have you invited someone into your home? When last have you invited someone into your home? Notice the question does not say, when last have you been invited into someone's home? Right? The question says, when last have you invited someone into your home? And what I want to say here is, if you feel like you don't belong and this is something that you're struggling with and growing in, don't wait for someone to invite you. Don't wait for someone to invite you. Invite others. The scripture here says that we must esteem others higher than ourselves. Romans 12 speaks about we must honor others higher than ourselves. And I want to say to us, the scripture also says that we must practice hospitality. And this includes all of us. It's not just for the people who stay in Bergendal. It's not just for the people who stay in Onverwacht, right? It's the people who stay in Van Wijksvlei, in Mbekweni. Like the scripture goes on to say that we must associate with all. And for some of us, we are sitting here and we feel like we are not part of the family because no one has invited us, but you haven't invited someone into your home. And you do not need to be ashamed of where you live and how big your house is. That, does not, that is not the test for whether you can invite someone into your home or not. It, this is something that Scripture instructs all of us to do. Not just for those who have the big houses. Okay, so I want to land that one really hard and say, go out of your way to invite others into your home. And I will say this. If you are currently sitting in a situation where you are feeling in your heart that you are a little bit offended or you're a little bit miffed that no one has invited you into their home, 
I want to say that that's a position of pride. That's a position of pride. Because pride says, they owe me something. I deserve dot, dot, dot. That's a position of pride that says, I need to get something from others. Jesus demonstrates for us a, a heart of giving without ever expecting anything back. And so the question is, will you invite someone even if they never come? Will you continue to invite others even if you never get invited to their house? The issue is not about saying, yeah, but they need to change. Why don't they invite me? You can't change other people. You can only walk in the obedience to what the Lord instructs you to do. And the Lord says, practice hospitality. And that is for all of us. Okay, this test is going really well. It's a tough test. Okay, the second test, or the second question that I want to ask us this morning when it comes to belonging and feeling like we belong in this family is who are you accountable to and how often do you see each other? Who are you accountable to and how often do you see each other? Now, a couple of weeks ago, we've heard Andrew teach on accountability in the This Is Church series, so I'm not going to re-ash what he said. But I will say this, accountability is something that is not forced on you. It is something that you give willingly to someone else. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that I'm not going to say to Stuart, listen, Stuart, I'm now, from now on, I'm holding you accountable. And uh, show me your finances. <laughs> accountability is Stuart coming to me and saying, listen, Keenan, I want you to be involved in my decision making. And when I speak about accountability, we'll talk about something else just now. But when I speak about accountability, I'm talking about, do you invite others' perspectives into your decision making? I just got a job opportunity, right? Am I going to inform or am I going to ask for perspective? It's two different things. It's like, listen, I got a job. Um, I sent in my CV and I got the job. I signed the contract. I'm starting next week. That's not accountability. Accountability is not coming and telling someone what you have already done. Accountability is coming to someone and saying, listen, I've got this opportunity. So I've got a job offer. This is what this job looks like. This is what the impact of this job will be in my family life or in my friendships with people. What do you see? And we need to recognize that all of us have blind spots. Right? If I get a job offer from Dubai, chances are that I'm going to probably want to take it. Right? That's a blind spot for me. So accountability says that I'm going to go to a David or I'm going to go to Modus or to Siobhan or to Raymond and say, guys, this is what's come up on the table. Speak into this situation and give me perspective. Or I want to buy a new car, right? Guys, you always want to buy a new car. Accountability is saying, like, I, I'm showing you my finances. Can I afford to buy a new car? What do you see? What do you think? And I would, I would say this even more. I'd say, if you are truly a wise individual, you would not go according to what you think. Objectivity in a circumstance and in a situation is your friend. To get someone's perspective who's not emotionally invested in the, in the situation is a great voice to invite. 
And scripture says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. So invite people's perspective into your decision making. Should I buy this house? Should we move here? And I want to say this, accountability is not control. Right? It means that you still have the responsibility to make the decision. You have just uh, invited perspective to give you a better picture of what you need to decide. Okay, so who are you accountable to and how often do you see each other? Do you think that it's accountability if you only see each other once every quarter? I don't think so. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made on the daily. Every week we need to make decisions. So I want to propose to us that accountability looks like something that you schedule on a regular basis that you meet with someone. Okay. Galatians 2, verse 1 to 2, and this for me is probably the most powerful demonstration of accountability that I've ever seen. And I'm struggling to get to Galatians. Here we go. Galatians 2, verse 1 to 2. Just look at how Paul demonstrates accountability for us. After 14 years, 14 years, who's 14 in the room? Are there any individuals that's 14 besides Dan? Okay, Simeon is 14. That's a lifetime of a, of a young adult, 14 years old. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Listen to this. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Come on, Paul. After 14 years of ministry, you snapped accountability. Paul realized that after 14 years of ministry, he could have been running in vain because he had not been walking in accountability. That's what that scripture shows me, that Paul was willing to go and ask them, this is the gospel that I've been preaching. Is it right? So if Paul can do it, surely we can do it when we need to decide on where we need to move and what car we need to buy. Okay? Amen? Amen. <laughs> Okay, the third question, and this one is a big one. This one can destroy unity and belonging in any congregation. And this is the one that we will need to protect our hearts against the most and fight against the most. And this is the question. Are you offended by anyone? Or do you know someone who has been offended by you? And the second question is, what are your plans to resolve this? And then the, the next question, have you poisoned others' perspectives about this person by gossiping or venting? That's a mouthful. I'll say it again. Are you offended by anyone? Or do you know someone who has been offended by you? And what are your plans to resolve this? Have you poisoned other people's perspectives about this person whom you are offended by? By gossiping or venting? This is the most important thing that we need to guard against in our efforts to belong to one another. Are you offended as you sit here? And the next question, do you know of someone who is offended because of something that you have done? 
And I know that we have blind spots and we do things, we say things in a certain way, we have certain mannerisms. So we won't always know if someone is offended by us. This week I found out that someone was offended with myself and Lushal. And I was like, wow, okay. I didn't think we could do anything wrong. <laughs> um, but sometimes we will do things that offend people that we are not aware of. But then there's also times that we know in our heart of hearts that the way I said something, the way I did something, the way I regarded that person or interacted with that person, I know that there's a potential that that person has walked away with an offense in their heart. You know this. The Holy Spirit will convict you of this. So what are you going to do to resolve it? What are you going to do to resolve it? We do not wait for others to come and solve and work out offenses. We ourselves need to go and sort out offenses. Ephesians 4 verse 31. Turn with me to Ephesians 4 verse 31. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Get rid of offense. Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, it speaks about how we handle when someone's offended with us. We don't say, your steward, oh man, Dan, Dan did this, man, I, like, it's this guy. He's, I can't believe this guy. We don't do that. The way that we solve and work out offense is to, going to Dan and say, Dan, when you said this, I felt this. And I want to come to you and say that I was offended by that. Let's sort this out. It's not going to someone else and then putting a perspective or a picture of who Dan is in a negative light in someone's mind. This is much bigger than we think. It's much more dangerous than we think. The Bible says that Satan walks around like a roaring lion looking for to devour. I will propose to you that the number one tactic that Satan will use is through offense. It's through you looking at me differently. Maybe you are offended with me this morning. Or something I've done or something I've said. And so now when I'm, when, I'm uh, when I'm preaching this morning, you can't receive what God wants to say because you are offended with me. Our offense keeps us from intimacy with the Lord. Not just intimacy with one another. It keeps us from intimacy with God. The horizontal influences the vertical. In the same way that the vertical influences the horizontal. We need to get this right. So I want to put it out there. If you know of someone that's offended by you, or if you are offended by someone, do not leave this building today without sorting out that offense. The person who was offended with us, came to us, they spoke, and it, I believe it took courage and boldness for them to do that. We were able to talk things through, and we left there loving one another, excited for the future together, and it's like a thorn had been taken out of our foot. You guys know, I do It's not nice to walk with a thorn, right? So let's remove the thorns that can cause infection in our lives and our walk with the Lord. Okay? The last question, and, and when we spoke about accountability, we spoke sp specifically about decision making on practical things. The next one 
in our effort to belong to one another is, when was the last time you asked for someone to speak into your life? When was the last time you asked someone to speak into your life? Do you invite others point do you invite others to point out character flaws and blind spots? This one is very difficult to do. Because we all think we're perfect. I heard a wonderful saying once, I can't, be, I can't remember who said it, it might have been St. Augustine who said the following, he said, if God is our father, then the church is our mother. In other words, the church is responsible to nurture us, to help us grow, to help us be more like Christ. If the Bible instructs you, instructs you to love your neighbor, how can you do that if you sit isolated in your room? It means that you need to be here. <laughs> and if there are things in your character and in the way that you conduct yourself, blind spots, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you speak, the way that you say things, are you, are you actively inviting others to speak into your life? This is a different posture than for me to just come and say, listen, Stuart, you do this. Do you know that you do this when you do this? That's different to him coming to me and saying, listen, I am opening up myself for you to speak into my life. This is a posture of humility. To give someone else the power and say, listen, I trust you enough as a brother and a sister in Christ to say, listen, Keenan, when you did this, or when you do this, or when you say something in this way, this is how it gets received. That's a different posture than someone just coming and telling you that. Open up yourself to correction. Open up yourself to others' perspectives about your personhood. There's nothing better than to, be, to, to come into the light and see, actually, this is really who I am. Ek is nie so fancy en so smart soos wat ek dink ek is I've got quirks. I do things that might offend people. I need to change the way I actively greet people. Very practical, very, very easy thing that we can identify. Are you opening up your life for people to do that? And so I'll repeat the four questions if you haven't got it by now. When last have you invited someone into your home? Who are you accountable to? And how often do you see each other? Are you offended by anyone? Or do you know someone who has been offended by you? And what are your plans to resolve this? And have you poisoned others' perspectives about this person by gossiping or venting? And the last question is, when was the last time you asked for someone to speak into your life? These are the four questions I believe that we can take this afternoon or this morning and really go and test ourselves. Put a mirror up in front of us and say, are we really walking in the values of Josh Jen that says we belong to one another? These are the questions that will say yes or no. And if there are areas where you've fallen short, where you've made mistakes, then the Bible says that we are able to come to him, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That we are able to turn away from these things. That we are able to repent and walk in the light. That as we have fellowship with Him, we have fellowship with one another as we walk in the light. And so my encouragement for us 
is that we would actually go and practice these things. And I will close with the following scriptures, John 13, verse 34 to 35. And it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is our pursuit in terms of how we deal with one another, is to really love one another. That we don't count ourselves higher than anyone else. We really come to a position of lowliness. And that in so doing, that we will really come to find that we really belong to one another. And that I can't go far in the Lord without you. I say that because I believe it. I can't go anywhere in what the Lord has for me without any of you. And you can't go anywhere in the Lord without me. We need one another. We need to know one another. And so maybe, and I'll close with this, and maybe every eye can be closed. Maybe this morning you, as I'm speaking, you realize that, oh my word, I am,